One, two, three, four, five. Once I caught a fish alive. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then I let it go, my friend. Why did you let it go? Cause it bit my finger so. Which finger did it bite? This little finger on my right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Nothing Important Podcast. Your host, Maddie. Matthew. Macho. Macho. What is a name? Um, why am I singing you nursery rhymes? Because, you know, because I can. That's number one. Number two, you know, there's multiple reasons. Number two is because it's, it's in my head and that's what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, you get an idea, you're exposed to something, you're influenced, and you might express that. That may happen. And I'm, I'm willfully choosing to express a nursery rhyme that is stuck in my motherfucking mind. Uh, um, that's my issue with corporate America. It's the level of character that you must embody. Not character in the sense of like, uh, you know, that, that word has two meanings, right? Has probably a bunch of meanings depending on who the fuck you are, right? But I mean, not like strength of character. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about character as in like a a fucking persona that you must adopt when you're in the world, when you're in the bubble, when you're in the ethos of corporate America, where you have to abide by the unspoken rules of acting like a normal human being. Who the fuck is normal? Nobody's normal. It's unnatural. Where will we be in society if in a corporate America setting you were allowed to maybe in the middle of a presentation, sales presentation or a meeting, you know, a think tank, just blurt out random noises because that's normal human behavior. Sometimes they go, ah, ah, ah. I think that's pretty fucking normal. And I think suppressing that. All right. Um. Yeah, man. Everything's good. Everything is good. Persona's okay. You don't want to get trapped in the persona, in the creation of a personality trait or a bucket of personality traits that you dress yourself with to present to others. True freedom lies in being yourself. And and, and what are you? And, and what am I fucking talking about? Um, I think I'm talking about something, right? I think I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking about freedom of expression. I'm talking about fluid expression. I'm talking about what pops in your fucking brain. The thoughts, the feelings, just letting that... Does anybody else do that? Um... Anybody else, you, you, it goes into like this, you know, observing day-to-day life. Go take a walk today. Go take a walk. Um, go drive around. If you don't have a car, get on a bus, get on a train and observe humans. You'll see most people walk around in public with a very abiding persona. Most individuals do this and it's not even conscious. We are all trained 
to abide by these unspoken rules. And you will see every now and again, there's an individual, you can call this person an outlier on the graph. They're not within the range of averages of how people act in public. And you might be in your car, you might be taking a walk, you might be on the bus, you might be on a train, you might be on an aeroplane. Wherever the fuck you are, you may see, there's a, there's a high probability you may see one or two individuals who are just like making random fucking noises. You know, hopefully that's it. I grew up in New York City. You might see somebody pull out that motherfucking dick and start jerking off in the public. Hopefully that's not what happens. But the point of what I'm saying is like we look at that individual who's there doing things that are considered strange in public, making weird noises, maybe talking to themselves, right? Fidgeting around. We look at that individual and we say, that person's loose in the noggin. There's something wrong. There's something fucking wrong. Maybe the, the cranium, the skull is too big and the brain is too small. And so the brain is just rocking around in there, banging from fucking left to right. And that person is not transmitting the correct, the correct behavior in public. We look at that person, we say, that motherfucker is crazy. That person is fucking crazy. But we all do this, man. And so maybe that person is just free. Or maybe they're fucking crazy. What the fuck am I talking about? I, I want to be an advocate for personal freedom and not in, you know, I'm not a conservative Republican in Galveston, Texas with a semi-automatic rifle, American flag bandana tied around my face, ready to fucking defend. You understand what I'm saying? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about sovereign citizen shit. I'm not talking about Reddit conspiracy shit. I'm talking about just having less shame, less guilt, less thought form around your nature, your, your nature, your nature. It's a freeing thing, man. I saw it on an Instagram reel once. This funny lady. She goes out in public and the, and the, it wasn't the caption. It was just like the writing on the top of the video said, when you remember that you have free will. And so she sets her camera down to videotape herself. First expression of free will. Second expression, she, you know, stands up from, the crouching position as she was laying that camera on the ground and she goes into a crowded road, people walking back and forth in a, in a densely populated public area. And she goes in the middle of this crowd and she just starts doing weird shit. And this, you know, the idea behind this, I guess this is physical art. You know what I mean? This is artistic expression. She's trying to illuminate people who forget on a day-to-day -day basis. We have free will. You can just go out in public and act fucking weird. That was a freeing idea I had when I did live in New York City because everybody's just fucking on foot all day, on foot all day. Are you gelling? Do you have uh, gelling insoles? You wearing some Nike Air Max? You got something comfortable on your feet? I fucking hope so. Because you're going to be walking a lot if you're in New York City. And you go to some areas in New York City. Most likely Midtown is where you're going to see a lot of fucking people. Not from New York. I'm not going to get into the goddamn tourists. But you're going to see a lot of people. And you walk around. And when I was younger, you go through periods of times in your life where you have elevated emotions circulating self-consciousness. Worried about people looking at you, worried about what people think of you, worried about what impression you're giving off to people that are around you. 
And I would walk into these large crowds and it was a freeing experience to have this thought that popped in my brain. None of these people are going to fucking remember me. You know? Introverts. New York City is the place for you. If you don't like being looked at, if you don't like being around people, the best way for you to feel comfortable is to get into a large fucking crowd. There's so much stimulus in Midtown Manhattan. I'm talking about 42nd Street, Times Square. It's just a goddamn living, breathing advertisement. It's crazy. It is crazy. It is the manifested child of media. You know, 10,000 fucking humongous jumbotrons. 360 panorama, everybody's just advertising, advertising, buy this, buy that, buy this, buy that, buy this, buy that, do this, do that, you need to look like this person, aviators, and you're in that environment, and there's so many people around you, and you're really alone, it's a beautiful fucking thing, just walk in that crowd, nobody cares about you as an individual, If you are in New York and you're listening to Nothing Important Podcast, go try that. Go take a ride down to 42nd Street, Times Square. Put on your funkiest fucking outfit. Look like a fucking crazy person. I don't care what you do in your everyday life. I don't care what persona has gotten you to this place of equilibrium in your life. Maybe you got some money in your bank account. Maybe you have a great relationship. You're raising your child well. I don't care about any of these factors included. Throw it away for a second and taste some freedom. Go to 42nd Street. Put on some crazy fucking shit. Not too fucking crazy, ladies and gentlemen. Wear some pants. You don't want your genitalia out. You will get arrested. Just look funny. Go over there and act crazy. It's freeing. And it will allow you to recognize. It will be a physical expression of the idea that is the truth. You do have free will. I just saw that, man. I, I, I do this too often. I do it too often where I like to parallel and compare the human experience to the overall overarching, much larger living experience. If you haven't recognized already or if you're just not in that state of mind, that level of consciousness at the moment, let me remind you, you are very much alive. I don't know if you're awake right now. You're very much fucking alive. And if you go out anywhere... On this planet Earth, you will see other living things that are not you. I'm not just talking about human beings. And so what I do is I like to get away from the fucking observing human beings. I love observing human beings, but I get away from it from time to time. And I go and I look at the critters. I go into my back, sit on my porch, and I look. And today I was doing so. You know, drinking some tea, sitting on the back porch, looking at the trees, light rain outside. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's gray overcast, little breaks in the clouds where you see the blue, beautiful color contrast. It's just an amazing day. Be grateful. Witness the glory that is nature. And amongst that, the living trees and the water falling from the sky and the sun peeking through the breaks in the clouds and the overcast gray skies and the droplets of water that make this beautiful ambient ASMR sound. Drip drop, drippy drippy, drippy drippy drop. Hard rain, hard rain, soft rain, no rain, soft rain. <laughs>
You understand what I'm saying? It's just a whole vibe. You sit there and you observe. And as I was doing that into my consciousness, into my scope of vision, came a little fucking furry squirrel. And it went onto the gate right in the in the back, you know, right right where I parked my car. And it got onto the top of the gate and it just started staring at me. It was like, and I was like, what the fuck is what's it? I'm a narcissist, ladies and gentlemen. I think that squirrel was screaming at me. And um, me and the, me and the squirrel, cool. Don't worry. It's no beef. But you know, I was thinking about that. I was like, human beings don't do that enough. We don't just... Like the squirrel had an instinct, intuitive, animalistic feeling. And it expressed it immediately. It just had the feeling. It was this guttural response. Something in the bottom... In the pits of its as its little squirrel tummy, and just got on that gate and just wanted to talk his shit. And he was grilling the shit out of me. I got a little nervous. Um, oh. <laughs> what level of tapped out is that in, in life? You know, it reminds me of this this uh, childhood show that I used to watch. Taking it back, nostalgia, ladies and gentlemen, strap up. Get in your recliner, a lay back, close your eyes, meditate with me, listen to my beautiful voice. If you're listening to this on YouTube and there's a visual component, open your fucking eyes. I want you to see the hard work I put in. Just this beautiful memory of mine just popped in my brain. I was watching this, this show. Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. Football head. You guys know about it. And if you don't, get on a fucking YouTube, you know, rabbit hole. Go watch some episodes. Great program. Great childhood program. And there was one episode in particular, this memory just popped into my head right now. Chip drop. Of uh, Arnold. He was this really nice kid. He lived in this area. I don't know where the area was. Might be like, it looks like New York City. I think I read the bio one time and the creator of the show said he was trying to adapt the feeling of Seattle, Washington and New York City. And that was like the inspiration behind the creation of this animation. We rhyming, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the cat in the motherfucking hat, baby. And he was uh, he, he creates this world where these little kids exist in this beautiful childhood through this you know cartoon series. And Arnold, his character, he's the main character. He's a really good kid. He's a really good kid. He feels wise. He feels knowledgeable as much as you can be as a child. And he has a good heart. And Arnold's adventures kind of revolve, it, you know, it's just a pendulum back and forth between the experience of being a kid in a big city with a group of friends and these funny things that happen and the adventures that happen in youth. Very universal. And that swings as well into his interaction, his foray into what is to be interacting with adults the reality for adults and um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful cartoon because it kind of like also illuminates the freedom and I would say sanity that children exist with and also the confinement and insanity that happens to fucking adults. In this episode that I'm fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm building it up, ladies and gentlemen, build, we build it, we build it. I'm going to tell you what the fuck I'm talking about soon enough. Are you ready? Open your eyes. Um, 
this episode in particular, this was an episode that kind of helped Arnold get into the world of adulthood before he was an actual physical adult. And he was interacting with this guy who was like an outcast from society. Felt very New York-like. It was this guy, he was a legend and all the kids kind of made fun of him and they were scared of him. And he was teased a lot and he was ostracized in society because he kind of tapped out from everyday living. Maybe he took the advice that I just gave you from somebody else and he fucking ran with that. Just like a penguin. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, when a penguin sets its path, it will walk toward its destination without logic. Meaning if it's looking for food and it's traveling north for food, there is nothing in the penguin's psyche that allows it to avert from the first plan. And so it would literally walk toward death. Even if the food is south, even if it's starving for five days, it never changes course. And that's what this guy did. He acted like a penguin, took the advice that I just gave you from whoever the fuck. It's a cartoon. I get it. But we're just going to act like it's real life because it is kind of real life. And this guy, he goes and he taps out and he removes himself from the normality of that range of average persona in society. And he becomes a guy who predominantly lives on a roof of one of these buildings, looks like a New York brick building. He lives on the roof and he has numerous pigeon coops. And that's his life. He's like the bird guy. He looks like this depressed old man He's lost faith with trying to communicate with human beings and he's tapped out so fucking far that the only way he's getting social interaction is from the the birds. So he's up there, he's feeding pigeons. He's living that life. And Arnold, this kid that I've described already, he's wise, he's young, he's smart, but he is a kid and he has a great heart. His heart is not yet damaged to the point where he's lost faith in humanity. He still has the ability to look at people that everybody would judge because that's what society does. They will see a person and immediately analyze their persona, analyze how they're acting or how they present in public, and they will make a character assessment of that individual. Arnold was not yet tainted with that illusion. He still had the ability to look at a human being for their individuality and decide not to just make a prejudgment, but to inspect and almost look for their humanity. And that's what he did with this bird guy. He wasn't like the rest of the kids. He wasn't teasing this guy. He wasn't ostracizing him. He looked at him and not even really felt bad, but wanted to understand him. And so, you know, go check that fucking episode out if you want to see how it ends. I'm not going to fucking ruin it. The point of why I brought that up is I wanted filler to talk to you guys. No. Because um, I think that's very interesting. I think that is very interesting. I think it's something that we could all adopt. Maybe try both of those things. Go out into public and act like a fucking lunatic. Wear the shoes of the people that you think are fucking crazy. Do it for a day. Do it for two days. Don't get lost in the motherfucking sauce, ladies and gentlemen. You need to wash your balls. You need to put on normal shit. You need to get your hair cut. You need to go to work. You need to wash your ass. Wash your ass. It's time to wash your ass. You understand what I'm saying? But wouldn't hurt. And I think it would almost even help to get in the shoes of the people that you judge for a moment and experience. And then what would that do? 
that would allow you to realize that you're not so different. And then you would also develop something that I think is beautiful. And I think it's needed in society nowadays, a quality of before you prejudge, before you make this analysis of a person's entirety, the very complex layered reality of every individual human being, before you do that and you say this person has these shoes or they're wearing this shirt or they drive this car or their mate is this type of person or they decided to do this in their life, before you do all that stuff and say that person is this way, maybe take some time, delay reaction, inspect and look for. The intention should be to look for their humanity. Try to see things their way firstly. And it may show you something. You know? It's beautiful. It's beautiful, baby. Oh. If you didn't meditate while I was just going, oh, then we can't be friends. We can't be friends. You didn't get it. You, didn't, you, 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 you failed to see the point. Um, I say this because I, I do feel there are cultural differences and I'm not trying to alleviate cultural differences. I'm, this is not the Kumbaya song in long form. I didn't go into chat GPT-5 and type in a philosophical essay based off of Kumbaya and I'm reading from a paper. That's not what's going on. I'm speaking from my heart, ladies and gentlemen. The intention is not exactly to have everybody hand in hand and agreeing with each other. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I... That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, there are cultural differences and there are different cultural freedoms. I am optimistic because I do feel with technology and with the evolution of thought... Everybody talks about the evolution, adaptation, refinement of technology. Everybody talks about artificial intelligence and robots. Everybody talks about the iPhone. Everybody talks about internet, web one, web two, web three, web not. You understand what I'm saying? Beautiful. It's great. But are we paying attention to the evolution of thought? You understand what I'm saying? The amalgamation of memories, information, history that accumulates naturally as we age and generations pass and civilizations rise and fall. And we're in such a privileged period in 2023. This is what makes me optimistic that we're headed toward a time where I feel like the amalgamation of all that information is going to alleviate us from the ills, from the problems, from the consequences of our past. If we can see it, if we can see it, we are in a period of time where in the past, may have been a reality for individuals who you would like to call privileged based off of race, culture, you know, where they live, access to certain types of information where they do have that option to free themselves from the personas that captivate that range of averages in the population. Most people have to act a certain fucking way. And I don't see that going forward, man. I don't think people have to be confined to these caricatures. People don't have to be confined to these personas, these ways that we believe that we have to be, how we have to adapt to society at large. I think the way that things are going, people will be allowed to be more free. I'm not talking about radicalism. I'm not going to start talking about Bud Light. I'm not going to start talking about Bud Light. That was a motherfucking boo-boo on their behalf. 
That's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. They said, you know, separate the church and the state. Businessmen, whoever the fuck is working at Bud Light, take your political views, put them in your back pocket, put your money in your front pocket. Don't mix it. Don't mix it. Don't fucking mix it. I don't know why they did that. How much money did they lose? Not going to get in their fucking business. No, I'm going to get in their fucking business. I still like, I, I never drink Bud Light. I like Budweiser. Please don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Don't put like a fucking, you know, anything that would offend me on a Budweiser can. I wasn't offended by the, you know, trans on the Bud Light. A lot of people didn't like that. Um, I really don't care because when I pick up a beverage to burn brain cells off the surface of my fucking cranium, you understand what I'm saying? When I want to evaporate God's gift to man, the mind, when I want to just burn that in the bonfire that is alcoholism, I don't really pay attention to the can. I don't, <laughs> just me. It's just me, ladies and gentlemen. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Reminds me, like I was in Thailand and Thailand, it's a little different out there. It's radically different, actually. It feels like, you know, topsy-turvy, the upside-down world. Like a mirror image, almost. It's reverse of America. You know, it's a place where there are trans men and nobody gives a fuck. There's no judgment. There's no witch hunt. Nobody talks about it. It just exists like nature. And if you want to go play around with the lady boys, you can do that. Nobody's going to fucking judge you. And if you want to play around with a lady, you could do that. If you're a lady, you want to play around. You understand? It's not that American taboo that exists over there. But um, they have, a, you know, just in the topsy-turvy, backwards, mirror world styling of being opposite of America. If you go to buy a pack of cigarettes, instead of it being like America where marketing in America is illusory and hypnotic. You know, you have these smart guys in a boardroom, think tank, you know, very thick glasses who are brainstorming on a constant basis. How can we package this product with the correct colors, the correct font, the correct lettering, all the subliminal factors that would allow somebody to buy this product, this pack of cigarettes over the other one that's right next to it, right? That's America. In Thailand, they don't do that. In Thailand, they do the opposite. They put things that almost feel like it would deter you to buy the product. They put like a picture of lung cancer on the fucking cigarette box. It's horrible. It's fucking crazy. It is fucking crazy, but it's interesting. It's interesting they do this really backwards from America. And um, I don't think it's good or bad. It's just what they, you know, it's just what they fucking do. It's how they advertise out there. I find that fucking interesting. It was just a thought I had, and I thought I'd share that. And we're going to go back to making weird noises. Is that strange enough? I feel free after doing that, though. So I think that's good. Right? Wrong? You decide I love, I love love, man. I love love. No, um, I love doing this podcast. I can't say it enough, ladies and gentlemen. I love 
doing this. And that's beautiful. When you find something that you love, just do it. Nike, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. I did give you some strange advice. I told you to put on funky clothing and go out to 42nd Street and still conceal your genitals. But go out there and make an ass of yourself. And that will be a freeing experience. If that is not something you enjoy, don't do that. But if you think you would enjoy it, don't stop because of what other people fucking think. You don't want to do that. It's your life. It's my life. Don't you forget. I missed. I love that song. I said I missed that song because I haven't listened to it in so long. But I have free will and freedom to just go onto Apple Music and listen to that song. I think I'll do that after the podcast. Gwen Stefani. That's my favorite song of hers. Before she got like super pop, she was making strange music. And that was a strange song. And I really like it. Gwen, not... No, the man, the man, the man, and I ain't no holler back, girl. That's cool. That was cool. And I ain't no holler back. That was cool. I'm more of a fan of It's My Life. Don't you forget. I miss, that's what I miss. That's why my, my soul was talking too fucking quickly and my brain didn't catch up enough. It's not that I miss that song. I miss when shit was like that. Once again, we're going to be an optimist, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to take the things that I love from the past and I'm going to project them into the future and hope. Cross my fingers. Knock on wood. I just grab my dick. Um, and hope that in the future, we do get back to some of the beautiful things that were beautiful about the past. Like the past was very strange. I feel like there was a lot less of that captivating, adaptable persona. Suit and tie. Present yourself well in public. Please shave. This is all a robot talking to you. It's big brother. Do not get out of line. In the past, there was more freedom where artists were funky and eccentric, and it wasn't a persona of funky eccentricity. It was genuine. People were just doing shit. Weird music. I miss weird, weird experimental music. That's what I fucking miss, man. I think anytime you put hard rules in the ethos of a particular art form, it ruins it over time. That's what I think. I think, especially in art, there should be no rules when you're talking about a genre of whatever, like painting. You can, then this is what we do. We put things in boxes. We, you know, cubism, abstract art, digital art. Go buy your your digital art. Do do this, do that. Do, you know what I'm saying? Like, beautiful, but evolution gets halted when we start to label things. Or not even when we label things. I don't think the labeling is the issue. I think it's the abiding by labels. Abiding by cultural understandings, cultural perceptions of what exists. That does not allow the birth of the new. And I think in art, there's no place for that, man. There's no place for that. You see what happens when things are done rigidly. When things are done Conveyor belt style, factory style, assembly line style. You know, many industries, art industries do that. They'll see something that works and they want to cookie cutter, 
you know, replicate this thing. And it works, I guess, in business. But we're talking about art, ladies and gentlemen. We're taking the suit and tie off. We're putting on a multicolored rainbow mink coat with some Speedos and duck boots. And we're going to 42nd Street. We're going to fucking 42nd Street and we're dancing in the middle of 42nd Street. And what you'll find when you do that, there's going to be a lot of other people doing that. They're going to be on drugs. They are going to be crazy. But you're going to feel free and you could put on your fucking suit and tie them off. You understand what I'm saying? Art. We're talking about art. We're talking about art. There's no place for abiding by what already has worked. I think over time that atrophies the new. The evolution. You know? It's like the tree of art life and new branches can't come into existence if we're just trying to continually grow fruit on the same branch. You understand what I'm saying? Does that make all sense? Does that make I think it makes sense. I, I really miss strange music. I miss strange music. I don't think there's a formula to strange music. I think strange music, strange art is an organic thing when people feel free to do the things that it's not in an opposing way. It's not in trying to be controversial. It's not in trying to be a contrarian, you know, because that is a controlled behavior as well. Just reacting in opposition to everything that exists. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying when they can express the ah, ah, that's beautiful, man. I miss when music was like that. Gwen Stefani, it's my life. Da, 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 da. Da, da, da. I'm sorry. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I think I need to go to karaoke. There's something inside right now. I need to go to karaoke. I did karaoke a couple of times. I remember doing karaoke in. Uh, Koreatown in Los Angeles, which was very like interesting. That was a very interesting type of karaoke. It was very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. It was very, it was literally kind of a microcosm of what I'm talking about right now. It was the ambiance is all designed around people who live very conformed lives, businessmen, uh, suit and tie working seven days a week, and when they want to get their release, they go into a room. It's like a little cube, and there is a microphone, and there's a big uh, projector that projects the words to the songs, and you go and you select your songs in this room with you and your business buddies, and then you just sing and get drunk, and then, you know, scantily clad women walk in and out that room. It's fucking fantastic! It's fucking fantastic, but that is like a microcosm for what I'm saying, you know, it's like a break from the routine. And that's an artificial way to do it. It's cool. I've done other types of karaoke. I, I went um, West 4th Street. West 4th Street. And I went to a place called... My, my childhood... A lot of my childhood memories, not me being a child. It actually is childhood memories as well. My, my stepfather was a doorman for 211 Thompson Street. In the village, right around the corner from West Forth. 
And so I was in that area a lot as a child. But when I got older, which I still considered my childhood, like early 20s, experimenting with vaporizing brain cells through the medium of alcohol. And I would go to this bar, Wicked Willie's. Wicked mother fucking Willie's. It was a pirate ship. And you go in that motherfucker and it was just like laser beams firing all over the walls, real dark. You know, huge spot, big old bar, a lot of ladies, you know what I'm saying? You want to go grab a little booty? And she turned around, she said she don't like that, and you just dip out into the fucking crowd, right? Um, it was a great spot, and I used to get drunk there a lot, and they would have a karaoke night. And it was, the, you know, the stage, it had two stripper poles, and you just hang on that stripper pole, and you motherfucking sing. You sing, baby. Even flow. That's what you sound like after you drink at Wicked Willie's and you get on the motherfucking stage and you start singing. And it was a beautiful experience. That was very different. It was much more free. It was much more embarrassing than Koreatown, Los Angeles karaoke. Teachers on. Teachers on. I've also done karaoke in Atlanta. In Atlanta. I don't know the name of the bar. It's right off of Monroe, Trader Joe's. It's this big complex. And there's this bar in the back. And it's uh, it's a grungy bar. It's a grungy fucking bar. You know, the aesthetic is dirty. Smells like wet towels in there. The beers, the alcohol, the shots. All motherfucking cheap. And they got a motherfucking stage, ladies and gentlemen. You could do some karaoke there. Pool tables in front of you. Nobody's fucking paying attention to you. You probably are alcohol poisoned. You get on that goddamn stage and you start stringing. You start singing. Sweet home Alabama. Ding a KFC. Ding a ding a ding a ding. That was fun as well. All different forms of the same thing, you know? Go do that. I've given a lot of advice, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you take it. I think, firstly, what you should do is wear some crazy shit, go out into public, and feel free, free. Then you should go do some motherfucking karaoke. You should do some karaoke. And when you're done with that, after you've embarrassed yourself in public, and you've been intoxicated with alcohol, go out into the streets of whatever city you live in right now, wherever you're having your motherfucking fun, painting the town goddamn red. And after all of that, You go, you find some homeless guy who's petting a pigeon and you try to understand where he's coming from. And that will be the fucking best day of your life. I think that could be the best day of your life, ladies and gentlemen. I think that would be the best day of your life. I used to, this is funny as well. When I was a kid, a little bit younger than my early 20s, probably like mid, late teens, I used to cut school all day. My tactic was to just get on buses and ride through Manhattan. And I would spend a lot of time in Sandmash and Guitar Center and sit next to like some older guy with his failed music dreams who's probably an incredible musician and sit next to them. And, you know, I didn't learn how to read or write music, but I would sit next to them and watch their hands and listen to them. And I would just emulate and ask them, you know, how does this work? How does that work? And that's what I spent my high school years doing, got a little bit older. And I would actually go get my guitar and go out to the streets of Manhattan and play, you know, put a hat out there. Please, sir, may I have some more? And just play in public and annoy the shit out of fucking rich white people. Play in Chelsea, Union Square area, get a whole bunch of fucking tickets, get arrested. It was beautiful. It was fucking beautiful. And in the midst of that, 
you know, as the sun set and I had my guitar strapped on my back and I'd be walking through the streets of Manhattan, I would always end up Union Square, 14th Street. Union Square, 14th Street. This is the energetic melting pot of Manhattan, ladies and gentlemen. This is where rich New Yorkers, tourists, and homeless people all sit shoulder to shoulder and stare at the Whole Foods across the street. I don't know why everybody fucking congregates there, but it's a hangout spot to do nothing. It's to do nothing. It's like the, it's beautiful. It is so fucking New York. It is so fucking New York. And you go there and you sit down there and you just mingle with people. And um, if you're young or if you're older and you've maintained that free spirit, somebody's going to get you high off something. You know what I'm saying? You're going to do some drugs. You're going to drink some alcohol. You don't have to bring anything. You bring, it's like Jesus. You don't come with anything. You just bring yourself as you are. Come as you are. Na 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 This karaoke, baby. This is karaoke. And you go and you sit there and people will give you whatever you want. This is where manifestation happens at an, an incredible rate. You go and you sit at these steps and you just say to yourself in your brain, you don't even say it out loud. You say, I, I would like some marijuana right now. And somebody comes around, hey, you want to smoke this shit? You want shit me? She want to hit it? This shit? You smoking? And now you high? It's fucking incredible. And I did that a lot. And when I was there doing that, I remember I have memories of actually talking to a lot of homeless kids out there, and the stories and the the range of experiences of these people who were homeless on 14th Street, Union Square. It was incredible. It wasn't all this cookie cutter story. You know, if you grew up in a city, or maybe you drive around a lot. And you don't have a lot of person-to-person interaction, per se. I don't know what anybody's life is like, but um, growing up in New York City, that's not that's not the reality. You're on foot, you're bumping shoulders with people. But if you miss that, you probably look at, you know, people and you see something. There's like a range of fucking stories. I remember I made a friend with this homeless white girl. Homeless white girl I made a friend with. And she actually came from a rich family in Connecticut. And um, she chose to leave the family and to live homeless on 14th Street Union Square. She wasn't on drugs. She, uh, she just wanted that. And I thought about that. I was like, why? It made no sense in my brain at that point. Now I can kind of fill in the blanks, color in the lines, create some context of why she did that. But at the time, I couldn't understand just because I had my experiences. I didn't travel. I was poor in New York City growing up in the projects. It was violent. You know, there was a lot of abuse, physical abuse. There was a lot of misinformation, miseducation, lack of education, malnutrition, no love in the household. There was a lot of things that I wanted to run away from that I didn't like about my life. And I'm interacting with this young lady and she's like, yeah, her family was rich and her parents were good to her. It wasn't like rich parents who were neglectful and didn't love her. And so I was trying to understand at that moment, like, why did you give that up to, you know, be sitting here? She had like dirty booty shorts on and an oversized tee. She looks like um, she was the the first iteration of the the fashion sense of a Billie Eilish, just dirtier and done way before Billie Eilish came into the public consciousness. That's how she dressed. And she just like laid, sprawled on this. It was like a beautiful... You know, Da Vinci painting, just porcelain, white skin, 
dirty knees. <laughs> she just sprawled on the steps, 14th Street, Union Square. She would talk to me. She was like a muse, dirty white muse. And um, <laughs> she would just talk to me, man. And I, I, she was my friend. I would always run into her. And now I, I look back and I say, man, I, she was running away from something like I was running away from something. For whatever reason, her experience, she didn't want. And I think about that, man. I'm like, it's very interesting. It's like all the things that when I look back at my life and I saw and labeled it poverty, abuse, pain, confusion. Now I look back and I see other people look at that and it's not that they're negating the struggle or the pain, but they see gold where I saw dirt. You know, they understand, you know, maybe somebody grew up in like this girl. She just she was bored. People don't recognize that as well. Boredom is. And it's not to fucking trigger nobody. You know, I've been through all the fucking pains you could fucking think of in my life and my childhood and all that. Um, but boredom is a, is a version of hell. Boredom is a version of hell. Feeling trapped, feeling suffocated in an environment is a version of hell akin to. Abuse, suffering. They're both bubbles and they both confine the freedom of spirit. You know? She was running just like I was running. And so we were friends. And uh, I wonder what she's doing now. She probably, you know, got a little bit older and had some interesting New York experiences. Maybe a cold ass fucking winter and was like, fuck this shit, I'm rich. Fuck this shit, I'm rich. I'm getting the fuck. What am I? I'm laying on the ground, dirty. My parents raised me correctly. I have a trust fund that's supposed to hit in a fucking couple years. What am I doing? She probably has a good job driving a nice car. And, you know, went back into her other life. You know? <laughs> yeah. Old friend, why are you so shy? Adele, man. Adele, man. Hilarious. There's a couple of people I met on 14th Street that I want to, you know, I want to reconnect with. Not, maybe not now. Maybe not now. Maybe in the, you know, later in the fucking future. I don't know why not now. But I think I want to let more time pass because it will probably be so radically strange to run into somebody that you were close with when you were young. Um, when I was 15, 16 to like 21. All these people I met in the street and had friendships with. And then, like, now I'm 30. It's definitely a radical difference. I know my life has fucking radically changed. Never thought I would be where I am. I've, I've always been a dreamer. I've always believed big things for my future. But I never saw this. Never saw this. And uh, now I am where I am. And if I ran into one of those individuals and... It would probably be the same story for them. Life happens. Life unfolds and they would be in a radically different place and we would interact, but it would only be on the, you know, it, it would be the surface awkwardness of what we are now and almost like a time machine though in that interaction of how we knew each other. And it would probably bring that person back out of me for a moment, interacting with them. Bring that person, that kid back out. 
and allow me to remember. So, you know, it, it sounds motherfucking attractive now that I'm talking about it. I kind of do want to run into some of these people and be like, yo, remember who we were? And we still are, but it's just like fucking, you know, it's pushed down. And now we wear these clothes. We wear this persona. Incredible, man. It's fucking incredible. I, I had another friend. This girl was in love with me. This girl was in love with me. I, I talked to my, my, my girl now. I've been with my girl for 10 years. She doesn't believe me when I say it, but um, I used to have this friend, this girl, Laura. She's a beautiful German girl. Beautiful. She was gorgeous. Blonde, blue eyes, six feet tall. Um, gorgeous girl. I, I would. She was a great friend of mine. I used to walk around the streets of Manhattan. She was visiting for an extended time from Germany. And I was like her tour guide. Met her on Union, Street, Union Square, um, 14th Street, and... We had a great friendship for, I want to say like a year and a half. And I never had sex with the girl. It was, it was not sexual. She was really my friend. I think she was in love with me. I actually, in retrospect, know that she was in love with me. I'm not really attracted to white women like that. Um, but it wasn't even that. I just didn't see at that time. I just saw a friend. And she hits me up from time to time. I never fucking respond to her. <laughs> Oh, man, Laura, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you back in Germany? You back in Germany? Laura's would visit Manhattan. She had a rich uncle. He was a stockbroker in Wall Street. And he lived in Connecticut. And she would come and she would visit the city. She, it was her, her way to come to Manhattan and experience the beauty, beauty that is New York City. And then she ran into this little dirty project kid who's... I was, in effect, the, you know, her Da Vinci painting. The sprawled out, dirty Puerto Rican kid laying on the steps. <laughs> and she found me and I was her muse. And I would show her around the city. And we had great fucking times, man. We had great times. And she had dreams. Her dreams were things I couldn't understand at the time. And now maybe I can go back and understand them with more clarity. She, at the time, I, I didn't understand. She had this rich uncle. Stockbroker. Made tons of fucking money, you know, hundreds of millions. And she, her ambition was to go back to Germany. She lived in a coastal island in Germany and be a teacher, a school teacher. And I would just look at her in the fucking eyes, blue eyes, you know, the wind blowing through her full head of blonde hair, you know, six foot curvaceous body, humongous tits, and say, bitch, you're fucking crazy. You're fucking crazy. You're ready. You won. You won. You fucking won. And you want to take the step down, you dumb bitch? No. Um, I didn't say that to her, but it's what I felt. Uh, <laughs> it's what I felt, man. And now I look back at it, and I'm like, man, Laura was smart. Laura was smart. She, That's what she wanted. I wonder about that as well. It's a very cultural norm where I grew up to reach for the stars, to want so much, to desire in a very grandiose way, to dream so big and almost such a phenomenon in my culture that very obviously most people that come from where I come from don't even make it to breaking even, don't even make it to where I am. Um, they live in a state of constant suffering because of that ambition of grandiose nature. 
They live in a state of mental and psychological hell because of the want for so much, for so much fame, fortune, power. And I wonder how much of that is influenced from the reality and expression of their soul's freedom, who they really think that they are and what they want to be in this life versus the lack of. And maybe those people I ran into in you know, 14th Street Union Square, they had it. And so it wasn't very much to them. They knew it. So it wasn't something that was this wonderful journey of mysteries. It was just something that was a part of the life that they they had. That was, you know, the cards that they were dealt. And they saw value in something else. You know? God damn, this is deep. God damn. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful though, man. There's nothing like that. And as I get older, I do realize that I have so many desires. I have so many desires. And as I get older, they change. They get more intricate. I build up a tolerance to the things that got me high and want to get high another way. And not even only that, I uh, redefine, you know, and want more nuance in the experiences that I desire. But... As I reflect, I realize always the most valuable thing that I experience is not like money, it's not travel, it's not power, it's not any of those things. It's not even art. It really is people. It really is people. When you get to interact with people and have these friendships, whether they be long lasting or fleeting, in the moment, it feels just like fun and it feels just like you know, something you're not really even appreciating. It's just, it's what it is. It's fleeting. And then now where I'm at, I can look back on those friendships that I had and it's it's way deeper. It's way more beautiful. I almost don't want to run into these people because I don't want to, you know, fuck up what it was. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> I feel like that's how it is. It's like once you start a friendship with somebody, you have to keep that and let that grow. Because once it cuts, you might go and revisit it and it the, the, the fruit is not ripe anymore. It's not. I would love to run into Laura. I would love to run into, you know, my Da Vinci painting, dirty, dirty need, booty short white girl and see where they're at. And I know they're doing well. I know they're OK, but I also don't want to interrupt that beautiful memory. And that's really what it's about. It's like, it is all about relationships you build. And as time passes, it is cold turning into gold. Time is that pressure. Life is that pressure. The experiences, the things that we go through, the madness that is the human experience, the time that passes, the longings, the desires, the things that you achieve and you thought you wanted and you realize it's not what you wanted. The things that you never get that you are sure that you want. All these things shape us and change us in a way. And then when we spend time and reflect on the beautiful memories of this human experience, because that's what life is. Consciousness is memory. It is awareness. It is a reflection that we get to experience on a day-to-day -day basis. You realize that's the value. That's the fucking gold. That's the diamonds. It is, man.
And that's going to be my last piece of advice to anybody who's listening to Nothing Important Podcast. I told you to go dress like a crazy person going on 42nd Street. I told you to go and get drunk out your fucking mind and go to karaoke and embarrass yourself and be free and sing the songs and be strange. I told you to go and vomit in the street and pull out some money and sit down with a homeless person and give them that money. Not because it's, it's a transactional thing, but to go and, you know, pay to enter into that person's life. And discuss things with them and see them for them. And I would also say to value any friendship that you do have. Don't let those things go. And if they are gone, you know, be gratified in that memory and exist in that and reflect on that shit. It's fucking beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are continual listening now. To the Nothing Important Podcast, do me a favor. I know you're sitting in my back porch right now like a squirrel on a fucking fence looking at me. Just grilling me. Guttural growls coming from the gut of a fucking squirrel. Just looking. Apex predator in a minimized format. You understand what I'm saying? You're grilling me right now. Do me a favor. As you are paying attention, as you are giving me your attention, go over to my Instagram like post like reels, subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Nothing Important Podcast with Matt Reyes on YouTube. It's new, but it's beautiful. It's another branch of creative expression. I love doing it. I've noticed anytime I really love doing something, I find people that love it as well. Come build with me. Subscribe. Until next time.